Do you ever feel like you're working in spaces that don't support you or want you to be less than to succeed? Well, you've come to the right place. Welcome to Embracing Your Voice podcast, a show for ambitious women of color who have created the impactful life and career they've always wanted while being unapologetically themselves. To live the life you want, sometimes you can't always follow their rules. You have to create your own. And on this show, you'll learn from the amazing women of color who've done just that, and how you can too. I'm your host, Atima Omara. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Minda, for joining me today. I want to give a quick intro to this awesome guest, Minda Hartz. She is a celebrated author and influential speaker, best known for her bestsellers, The Memo, Right Within, and the young adult book, You Are More Than Magic. She is a respected voice in advancing women of color, self-advocacy, and restoring trust at work. Her book, The Memo, has been considered sort of the lean in for women of color in the workplace. And she has been honored for her contributions by LinkedIn as one, a number one top voice for equity in the workplace in 2020. So if you aren't following her on LinkedIn, you should. She has always some great gems there. And she's also been on a business insider as one of the top 100 people transforming business in 2022. So Linda, so thank you so much for taking time out of your very busy schedule to chat with me today and talk more about your journey. So um, the first question I'll ask is, what did you think you were going to be before you became basically what I like to call Minda Hart's LLC, doing all the things that you do? <laughs> yeah, well, thank you for having me. I'm, I'm so excited to be in conversation with you. And, you know, it's funny, I never planned on being an author, public speaker. You know, my goal was always the C-suite. I want to be the boss. I want to be a decision maker. That was the goal. And when I was navigating that path, it just seemed too arduous after a while. You know, I spent 15 years in corporate America and I realized that, you know what, I'm still in my thirties. I don't think I can do this till I'm 60, 70 years old. I don't think my, <laughs> yeah. I don't think my health is going to gonna make it tough in. And I don't want a gold watch. I don't want to go bare, you know, whatever it is they give you when you make it to retirement, because it's just, this isn't what I had signed up for all the, you know, micro macrogressions. And so entrepreneurship was really the, the only path after, you know, realizing that my mental health needed to be my number one success marker. <laughs> yeah. What was, the, was there a defining moment? Cause I know like, especially with like microaggressions, like in my experience, it's been, you know, there's a lot that you just like go right over your shoulder. Um, and then there's others just like after a while, and then it's just like the straw that breaks the camel back, the camel's back. So what was it for, for you? Was there any particular defining moment? Yeah, it's funny that you say that because I think as Black women, as women of color, you already enter the workplace, whether it's corporate or academia or, you know, whatever sector you get into, medical, you already know that there's a different playing field. We've already been told. We already Mm kind of got that manual. You don't know exactly what that is going to be, but you've been told, okay, work 10 times harder and this, that, and the other. Twice as good. Twice as good. And so you kind of deal with the subtle acts of 
disrespect. Right? So, yeah. you know, my, my first manager, he said, he saw that I had on burnt orange fingernail polish. And he said, you people love your bright colors. And he joked around <laughs> for fi- 15 minutes about how black people like bright colors. And that was my manager, you know, so it's not like you can, you know, the power dynamics are really interesting. So he would go on to say things like that every single day. And I worked for him for a very long time. And after a while, you start to tell yourself, well, it wasn't that bad. That's just so-and-so being so-and-so, but all the while, those slights, those micro macroaggressions. back then we didn't have the language, right? We didn't have mm-hmm. fancy name to call them. We just know this doesn't feel good. And I don't know what I'm supposed to do about it. Right. <laughs> so, and so- um, HR isn't gonna be helpful. Yeah. Right, exactly. <laughs> I'm like, okay, so we just learned to normalize it and sweep it under the rug. And eventually all of those slights over the 15 years of my career caught up to me and it, started to manifest in anxiety and panic attacks and depression. Mm. Yeah. And at that point, were you seeing anybody for that? Or you just determined, you know what, like, I gotta leave? (laughs) Or did like somebody help you get there like a mental health professional? Yeah, you know, for the longest time. So it, it didn't start to really like manifest itself probably until like, year 12 of 15 years. And um, because, again, we normalize some of these, you know, indiscretions yes, of our cop. Yeah. That's not whatever it is. And you're like, well, OK, well, if everybody else thinks it's not that, then it must not be that. And so we discredit what we feel. Um, and so for me, it got so bad that um, I was in a meeting and I could barely like speak like the, the panic attack had gotten so bad. And left the office that day and just broke down in my car. And I said, you know, I'm not going to let this job kill me. I got to, I got to figure out what it is I need to do uh, to make the workplace better than I found it. Because if I'm feeling this way, then there must be a ton of other women that are feeling this way. And that's when I started to seek therapy and other forms of like mental health, because at that point I still had a couple more years to go before I would be able to leave corporate America. Mm. And when you transitioned, I think I remember reading somewhere that you were, you know, kind of putting together the concept, you know, for right within on your own mental health healing journey. So what was it? The memo? Yeah, it was the memo. So, um, yeah, tell me a little more about that. Like, how did you end up? How did you end up on that journey to start writing these books? And yeah, um, you know, Toni Morrison, she said, write the book you want to read. And yeah. around the t- around the time I was reading all these books uh, by, you know, business books, but they were by white men and women, but it wasn't addressing like the needs of a black woman. I could take certain things out of these books, popular books, but mm-hmm. I just felt like they weren't speaking to me as being the only, and I yeah. was the only in my environment. And so um, I thought I started writing a blog. Now I'm dating myself. Uh, <laughs> I started writing a blog in 2015. And I called it the weekly memo. And I would write about these different situations that were happening in the workplace and how we can overcome them. And more so it was a therapy type of thing for me. But what ended up happening uh, over the years of those weekly memos, I used to write them every Monday. Those memos became my book, The Memo. And I realized there was a need for um, career books that talked about what it's like to be a woman of color, because I know that I wasn't crazy. I know that I didn't create these situations and what would it look like if we could remove barriers instead of creating more? Um, And 
just affirming us. And so that was the impetus for writing the memo. Um, I just wanted to write a love letter to Black women to say, you belong in every room, but maybe that room isn't the right room for you. Yeah. And in that, and the response to that obviously was, you know, very positive and, you know, this was so needed in the world, you know, just for people in the workplace, women of color in the workplace. Um, and then how did, I remember looking this up in the right with then it came out in 2021. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking like, oh, this was, did it, was it inspired by anything that was happening in 2020? Were you already working on it? And then, because I remember <laughs> thinking all the conversations about workplace trauma just surged after mm -hmm the Floyd stuff. And even for me, I was just like rethinking and reevaluating in real ways. And so I'd, I'd love to hear how you, you also came up with, with, with writing the right within. Yeah. It's so funny because um, a lot of people don't know this about me, but because I write these books and I, you know, I'm on a lot of stages, but when I'm off the stage, I'm very much an introvert. And so I said, you know, the memo, that's the only book I'm going to write, you know, <laughs> and so, <laughs> And it's great. It's helped a lot of people. And, you know, that's all I got. And then, but as I finished writing that, I was on book tour and I went to like 50 cities over the course of like a year uh -huh. and a half. And I, the one thing that kept like showing up was this trauma that black and brown women were experiencing. Right. So they resonated with the memo, but I thought, man, there's a lot of healing that still has to take place once we first acknowledge. And I thought about my healing journey. And so I pitched it to my my editor, I said, you know what, I think I need to write a, the second book to this about the healing uh, that we deal with after we've acknowledged that these workplaces have harmed us. What does that look like? And I want to share my healing journey. And I actually was writing right within before the murder of George Floyd. And I was finishing it after that happened. And so it was like this racial reckoning inside myself because I'm like, oh my God, mm -hmm. I'm writing this book about racial trauma in real time. Why the we're having this racial reckoning in the United States. Um, and so I was just so excited to get this book out because I realized how much harm that some of us didn't even realize that we were dealing with the trauma, right? Because oftentimes we look at trauma and we name it in, in a different way, right? Yeah. But we don't necessarily name it with workplace situations. And we sometimes diminish those hurts, but those hurts cause a lot of pain and, and we don't, you know, people would often use the stereotypes, you know, don't be the angry black woman or don't be the feisty Latina, they're docile Asian. And let's be honest, most of us were never angry in the office, but you know what happens? We take some of that anger home, right? So the yeah. people that love us the most don't get the best version of us. And we don't get to be our best version because we're in these toxic work environments. So I realized that healing was for the ecosystem, not just for ourselves. Yeah, I was thinking about this too, because I remember talking to an executive coach, I was coaching me when I was in like, the, you know, the leadership of a nonprofit organization, and we were talking about it. And this dialogue around racial trauma in the workplace came up, and she was older generation. And she was just like, you know, yeah, it's rough at work. And you know, part of my work is helping people through that navigating that. But, you know, considering sort of what our our ancestors went through and you know you know it could be worse and I'm like <laughs> thinking to myself sure but like it could be 
better also too wouldn't it be nice if you weren't also having to like your regular job is coaching ribbit of color with how to deal with all of this stuff and and again like how you said it shows up i feel like is you know we're more angry we're more emotional we can't focus on our work we're jumpy like and i yes i was starting to read through like symptoms i was like oh my goodness like pt there is ptsd for people who you know come out of really abusive workplaces and they may have never been for like physically or sexually harassed but the emotional torment has taken a, a toll um yeah and so that kind of segues into like all of these conversations that are happening in the media right now and especially around you know what recently happened with dr bonnie bailey um you know for those who don't know an hbcu administrator who died by suicide after seeking help from her from the administration essentially about being bullied and not supported um, by her direct boss who's president of the university and the depression spiral she was in due, due to all of being feeling unsupported. And then I was thinking also of someone like Taraji P. Henson, who is an amazing actress, but is contemplating quitting like all of these awards, you know, is just sort of just beloved, right? And celebrated, but is thinking of quitting because of the lack of support that she's sort of received in the workplace and the respect that her counterparts would get versus her. Um, and I think the question I have here is what are some key things you learned from your experience in the workplace? And when you were writing this book, um, you know, you know, of course you want to encourage people to buy the book and read it, (laughs) but, um, what, what are things you could tell them about sort of navigating that, trying to heal, um, in the work from the workplace before it actually quite literally kills us. Yeah, you know, I'm glad that you bring this up because, you know, a lot of people will say, well, why didn't Taraji speak up sooner? Or why didn't, you know, Dr. Bailey, you know, speak up sooner? And the reality is we are speaking up, but people aren't hearing us, right? <laughs> and and oftentimes where our voices are being dismissed and then it the workplaces that we're in tend to silence us. And then we start to question ourselves and then these other things manifest. And so what I would say is number one is we can't conquer what we're not willing to confront. So we have to name it for about Mm -hmm. half a decade in my career. I wouldn't even call what I was experiencing racism because even I was scared to say it out loud, right? So if we don't acknowledge the harm, we don't put a name to it, then we can't conquer it. We can't, um, go and have a conversation about it. And I think number one, as black women, we have to give ourselves permission to heal, right? Healing isn't a one-time event, it's a lifestyle. And so what are those things, those triggers? Like right now with Dr. Bailey, there's a lot of black women and women who have been in toxic work environments that were triggered, that are triggered reading those stories because we remember when our mental health was on on the fringes. Maybe it wasn't leading to suicide, but we were having panic attacks or we didn't feel like we could wake up and make it through the day, whatever it was manifesting in, Mm -hmm. right? Crying, just all sorts of things. And I think that um, no one should be going to work experiencing emotional abuse. And what I write about in um, Right Within is that these are cycles of abuse, but we would, there would be no other question if I, if somebody was committing um, physical harm to someone in the workplace 
or sexual harm, we would say, why do we have this person here? We need to get rid of them in a normal, healthy environment. <laughs> why yeah. is this person here? And But when it's racial, right, we tend to say, oh, that's just Tom being Tom, or that's just, they didn't mean any harm. You just need to have thick skin. And, and so the narrative is always that we're the ones that just have to suck it up. And I think we're at a good time period now where we get to collectively heal. We get to collectively say, this is what the problem is, right? We all just want to come to work and do our best work, just like Taraji, just like Dr. Bailey, just like you, just like me. But there are characters inside the workplace that we have to hold accountable. And so my goal is why do we, we shouldn't want to get back to normal. We should get to better. Don't we want everybody to get, have humanity in the workplace? And so I would encourage everybody to think about the life they want to live. We often say we want to live our best lives. Well, some of that might require us to have a difficult conversation with someone, but it also might require us leaving. And I think sometimes we get, especially as black women, we get PhDs and trying to make everything work and right. everything is not meant to, to work for our good. <laughs> so, um, so I would just say, you know, and the lastly, the part that I write about is when we when we talk about it in community, then we realize that we're not suffering in silence. Yeah. Right? And that's part of where the healing comes, because we've been conditioned to be strong black women, but at the expense of our own well-being. Hey, if you are enjoying the show, make sure you subscribe to our podcast and join our community at embracingyourvoicepod.com where we will share resources, interesting news, and you can learn more from our guests. That's embracingyourvoicepod, all one word, dot com. All right, y'all, back to the show. Yeah, yeah. And especially if we're in, a, in an environment where, you know, we've accomplished a lot and people are, are proud of us, our family, our friends, people financially depend on us, you know, or you come from a family where like folks had it harder and you're like, you know, can I, can I stick it through? Um, And I think that, you know, in the last few years, I think people have been giving themselves a little bit more permission to, (laughs) to realize that I, I will say like, when I saw folks talking about it in 2020 and it was like, you know, black Twitter, of course. And they were like, this was my experience in the workplace. This was my experience in the workplace. And it was so, I think it was cathartic because people were putting it in their, you know, writing it after feeling it. And, you know, in all the ways that we felt in the workplace. And I was like, yeah, wow. And these are from people who had amazing careers. You would have thought, okay, you've, you've figured it out. And, you know, they had, but they also were like, it took a, it took a toll <laughs> yeah. and was it, and was it worth it? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. And it's, I think, especially as women of color, you know, we're dealing with the being, you know, women who are not white and that experience is very different. <laughs> yeah, we can all work at the same place, but not experience the workplace the same. And I, and I think, you know, the one thing that in my books, you know, yes, I am an entrepreneur, but I don't want us all to have to leave. Right. I want us right. to have choices, right. Yeah. The choice to stay or go or find something new or create your own table. And I think that, you know, we celebrate black women being one of the top entrepreneurs in the United States, but many of us, and we were talking a little bit about this before the podcast is that 
we didn't want to be. Many of us were forced into entrepreneurship and it's worked out for many people, but we shouldn't be forced out of our dream roles. And and that's the part of healing to say, you know what, Um, is this worth it or not? Uh, But I deserve, I'm good enough to deserve it. And I think that's the piece. Like just because you have, you know, a six figure, seven figure job, it doesn't take away the pain that it requires you to go and show up in that every day because would you want to end your life early due to chronic stress and chronic illness because you're in these environments and so I think that you know uh, money is good and those sorts of things but I think in order to be able to pass on new tools healing tools to the next generation we have to make sure that we are um, providing self-care and and self-love is part of that self-care especially in the workplace yeah yeah and there's long running, you know, long running sort of pain that comes with having experienced it and not dealt with it. Like I was reading, even people had no history of blood pressure in their family. Black women have, and women of color, but specifically black women will go find them with higher levels of, you know, being susceptible to high blood pressure. And there could be some genetic reasons why. But also stress is definitely an indicator of it. And, and it, sometimes it may show up in the moment, but sometimes it just may show up later in life. Yeah. And then, you know, strokes that come from that, heart attacks, blood clots. And we're just learning really of the long-term effects of if we don't take care of, of these things. You know, for me, my stress showed up in not sleeping. (laughs) And I'm not a nice person when I don't sleep and I don't perform my best. I don't think anybody performs at their best, but like, I really do. And I'm like, I I need to sleep. Like, I had another friend. I said, she had the same problem with her workplace. And I said to her, like, she gave her something, a pill to take it. And I was like, well, have you gone to talk to somebody about it? And she's like, no. And I'm like, you need to. It's going to be painful, but you need to. You will yeah. find your way back to sleep that way and to peace that way. It's, so. it's all about the peace and it's all about longevity of health because um, Black individuals, I mean, um, but primarily Black women, you know, we don't live to our full life expectancy due to the things that you just said, like heart attack, stroke, high blood pressure, diabetes, and, mm-hmm. and those things come from chronic stress. And we spend a lot of time in the workplace. And I think um, a lot of reports are starting to show how the impacts of racism in the workplace and how it shows up in our everyday lives. And I think that we owe it to ourselves to explore healing. And essentially what we're talking about is freedom, the -hmm. ability to no longer feel confined. And I think sometimes our workplaces make us feel feel confined. um, And we're not able to bring our authentic selves, which means we're not bringing our healthiest self to the workplace. Yeah. Yeah. Do you now prioritize like self-care for yourself, even with all of the things that you have going on? Have you found found a way to do that for yourself now? (laughs) I do because I had some of those issues, those health issues that forced me to say, you know what, this is not healthy for you. And if you want to live here and and see the fruits of your labor and make, you know, spaces better, then you got to take care of yourself. And so for me, Um, I really do prioritize, you know, um, even meeting schedules, right? How I travel, you know, Mm -hmm. does it make sense? I used to run myself ragging, you know, sometimes doing like, oh, well, if I could get to an event, I can get on two planes and do two events and this. And I'm like, you know what? 
now I can say, you know what, I'm getting older. I need my, my self-care, maybe flying in a day before, right? You know, so it's the yeah. little things that, that contribute or uh, I know many of us uh, still work in the workplace. And so um, I had a good friend who she was, uh, she's in academia and she was telling me she spends a, um, most of her time working from home. And she said, Minda, I'm so busy and in back-to-back meetings that I don't even have time to go to the bathroom. And I said, girl, you're at home across the hall from the, from your bathroom. Like, why aren't you doing that? You know, I'm like, part of your self-care is creating the space so that you don't have these back-to-back meetings where you can't even get a potty break in. Right. It's so again, giving ourselves permission to say, um, the little things go a long way. Right. And I think, um, we all can't get to the massage place or to the vacations as much as we want, but what are those acts within our day that create that peace, right. That create that freedom. And that's what will help us be in our best mindset and be able to do our best work. Yeah, definitely. And that kind of leads me into like my next question is, or it starts off with a little bit of a thought, but then leads to a question, which is, (laughs) um, you know, I think we've discussed women of color kind of go to professional workplace and spaces, not being fully ourselves, right? Like I think there was somebody, a lot of folks have said it on Twitter in various different iterations, but you know, when somebody says, oh, bring your full self to work, you know, women of color, especially black women, no, that is not for you. <laughs> it's like, no, no, it does not apply to us. Um, and, you know, we do, we try to like be, try and be accepted into circles where we're the first, where we're the only, um, where we're the few. Um, and we think that that's the way, right? Because of that's how we were told to kind of hit success. Um, and I, think in my journey I've just come to believe you know from experience that when you embrace who you are your own voice more of who you uniquely are um and part of that is the lived experience that we have as women of color the cultures we come from the communities we come from um that you can end up being where you were meant to be um and now you are doing all the things that you do you still teach on the occasion you've got the memo LLC, um, you're working on your fourth book, you're doing all these great things. And to me, from where I'm sitting, you know, you, you look like you're making the impact through your work that you want to make and you're, and you're pretty happy, but do you feel like in this journey, um, full of all that it's been, do you feel like you are where you are supposed to be finally? You know, that's, I love that question so much because when I left, uh, corporate America in 2019, I used to mourn my career. I used to Mm -hmm. mourn the seat that I had, right? Because I'm like, oh, I worked so hard. I'm a first generation college student, went on to get advanced degrees, you know, first person in my family to make X, Y, and Z and blah, blah, blah. And and I had to leave my dream job that I was really good at, you know? And I used to mourn that so much and think, man. And then later in life, I realized that I'm actually in the seat I'm supposed to be because the seat that I was trying to to hold, try to, you know, get to, um, now I'm in rooms with influencing leaders and individuals better than I could have ever in the seat I had before, right? Mm -hmm. Now the seat isn't just for me, it's about other people and bringing other people to the table. And so now I realize that I had to kind of go through those moments in, in life to get to the seat I have now so that I can make spaces better, that I can remind people that they deserve a workplace that gives them humanity, dignity, equity, and respect. And so now I do see that I'm in the seat, I'm in the place where I need to be. 
And I'm thankful for that uh, because, um, you know, do, do I, am I happy that I had to go through all the, the racial slights? No, but I'm happy that now my voice is more important than it would have been just in that one space I was in, right? Now I get to be in all sorts yeah. of spaces and get to have conversations with you and others and, and help people think about things a little bit differently as it relates to gender, race, and identity. And so I do think at the end of the day, when we lean into our courage, so many more people benefit from it, right? And I think about yeah. all the, the women, the Black women that came before us, they were fighting for things that they didn't even get to experience. And yeah. they leaned into their courage and we are beneficiaries of their courage. And so now I see myself in the work I do is some of the things I may have never, I may never be in a workplace where I got ever got to experience it, but my courage is now a beneficiary of somebody in the workplace that gets to experience it different than me or maybe you, right? So yeah. I think it was all worth it at the end of the day. That's awesome. Yeah, I think about that often. Like I recently heard Tabitha Brown speaking and she said, you know, she used to like hide her Southern accent, which to me, I'm like, so I don't know, that voice just made you kind of famous. How would you yeah. hide it? But, <laughs> but she said, you know, when she was, you know, working all of these jobs while she was still trying to act and even when acting, people would say hide it because then you'll get stereotyped into roles. Mm -hmm. But the thing that she said was that, you know, God is not going to bless God wasn't blessing me when I was trying to not be me. God can only bless the person that you are, right? Like the person you're yeah. meant to be. And I was like, oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> you know. Put it but, that way. You know? <laughs> I know. You're like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's I'm going to bless the person you're pretending to be. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah. Goodness. Well, for you, I think, and, and and sort of saying that in being in these rooms, are there other things that you feel like you've learned, you know, in your journey um, to just finally embracing your own, your own voice um, and any additional advice you want to share with folks? Yeah, you know, two things. I think that rather you're in a traditional workplace or, you know, entrepreneur, entrepreneur, I think the one thing that I've learned over the years and that I'm still constantly reminding myself is I used to tell myself that, oh, I didn't have this position or I don't have a voice, so I'm just going to stay quiet. I'm just grateful to be here, right? So number one is grateful to be here is not on the job description. You worked really hard to get to where you are, you know, so lean into that, right? They hired you for a reason. And, and I think because we're in some of these toxic environments, we tend to forget that we're that girl, right? We're that person where we have the skill sets that we've already, we we've already had. And so don't forget what we bring that we are an asset. I think that some people that we work with will try to make us think that we that we aren't that asset. And so reminding ourselves each and every day that we are. Number two, um, when we feel like we can't speak up, we sometimes again feel like we've lost our voice. And I wanna remind everyone that you've always had your voice. You just, now you get to decide how you wanna use it. And for so long, I didn't use my voice in the way that I needed. And once I realized that I could, and I didn't have to wait on somebody to give me permission to do that, it benefited me and so many other people. So you have a voice, you just have to decide how you want to do it. And as you're doing it, remember, you can say what you mean without saying it mean, right? We, yeah. The part of our voice is that 
that's part of the democracy. We get to access that. <laughs> that's right. the thing we get to leverage. And so if we're all doing it, not just one or two of us, then it becomes the norm that people get to hear Black women speak in our thoughts uh, and that we aren't just grateful to be here. Um, we're, we're, we're part of the agenda. And you know, lastly, remembering to pay it forward, right? It's not just about us, but it's for the next generation. And, and that's what constantly I, is always top of mind, right? I, I don't want the next generation to have to cry the same tears that you and I have to have to experience the same workplace trauma, right? So when when we have to ask for more money or we do these things, remember that we're doing it so that the next one behind us doesn't have to work so hard for it, just like the generations before us. So remembering that everything we're doing is part of the ecosystem um, and that our success is not a solo sport. Yeah. Yeah. Well, on that note. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much just for taking the time to talk more about this and love to have you back in the future to talk for, you know, on other moments of women of color in the workplace and finding our paths. But until then, where can folks find you? I know LinkedIn is one of those places, but, you know, tell us all the great things you're doing. (laughs) Well, again, thank you so much for your voice and and inviting me on. I'm excited for people to to like and subscribe and, and share because you know it's the time is now for us to inherit these workplaces and pass along workplaces that work for us. Um, and so find me at mindahearts.com and you can connect with me on your favorite social platform. All right. Well, thank you so much. And <laughs> uh, we will talk soon. All right. Talk yeah. to you soon. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of the Embracing Your Voice podcast. If you enjoyed this conversation, please rate and review the podcast wherever you listen. And don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss a future episode. You can also find us at embracingyourvoicepod, all one word, dot com. I'm your host, Atima Omar. See you soon.